Last week we looked at the time when God became man. We went deeper into who Jesus is and why he came. He lived the life we cannot and died in our place on the most cursed cross, a word that must not be spoken. Today we start our journey with Jesus to the cross. We begin in the upper room, a place prepared for the Last Supper that Jesus will spend with his apostles. We will focus more on two individuals, Jesus and Judas Iscariot. I will be reading our text from a work that combined the gospel accounts into one contiguous story so that we can see a full view of the events. This work is entitled The Life of Christ in Stereo by Johnston Cheney. We start, the day is Thursday, 6 to 11.30 p.m. Combined reading from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When Jesus had said these things, and while they reclined at the table and were eating, he became troubled in spirit and testified, saying, Verily, verily, I say to you, that one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. So the disciples were exceedingly grieved and looked at one another, wondering of whom he spoke. And they began to ask one another, Who of them it might be that would do this, and to say to him one by one, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said to them, It is one of the twelve, one who is dipping with me in the dish. Behold, moreover, the hand of the one betraying me is with me on the table, and the Son of Man indeed is going, as it has been determined, as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. It were good for that man he had not been born. Then Judas, the betrayer, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? He said to him, It is as you have said. Now there was reclining close to Jesus' bosom one of his disciples, the one whom Jesus loved. So Simon Peter beckoned to him to ask who it might be of whom he spoke. And he, leaning against Jesus' breast, and said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give the morsel when I have dipped it. And on dipping the morsel, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, and after the morsel, then entered Satan into him. Jesus said, therefore, to him, what you are doing, do quickly. Now, none of those at the table knew why he spoke to him, for some thought that, since Judas had the money bag, Jesus was telling him, buy the things we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. Immediately, therefore, after receiving the morsel, he went out, and it was night. The evening did not go as planned for the disciples, and had they thought it would go differently. Jesus goes straight to the point that he is going to be betrayed by one of his own men. The shock hit the men, and they all asked if they are the betrayers. Peter goes to the extent to motion to John to give a direct question to Jesus as to who it is. Jesus was clear who the betrayer was, but 
none of them thought it would be Judas as he was faithful with them and through it all he endured everything that they did and was the manager of the money. Judas was there through it all, seeing all that Jesus did and heard all he taught, yet was not what he signed up for or what he thought he had signed up for. You see, Judas was hoping that Jesus would one day be the earthly king to overthrow Rome and put Judas in a leading role. He was a greedy man. John 12, 1-8 brings this clear to the point from an event and an incident that happened. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served with Lazarus while he was among those reclining at the table. Then Mary took about a pint of Pyrnard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. You see that Judas desired an earthly kingdom and was not concerned with heaven or God's plan. He was earthbound. So he plans the betrayal. Matthew 26:14 gives us some of the details. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asked, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him thirty pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. So Judas received 30 pieces of silver, equaling about 120 days while Mary anointed Jesus with what was valued at a year's pay. Judas betrayed Jesus for a third of what Mary offered. She did it out of love, and Judas out of greed. Jesus' response to John's question one last time for him to offer Judas one more chance to repent and commit to Christ. This is when Jesus dipped the morsel and then handed it to Judas. That was a well-known custom to dip bread or a cracker in a sauce and offer it to someone. This was an offer of friendship. Judas did not repent. Jesus said, go and do what you have planned. Key points here, Judas left into the night, giving us a view into his heart, also dark. The farther he stepped, the greater the rejection of Christ. John 22, 31-34 gives us even more insight. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift 
all of you as we see Satan has consistently been trying to get at Jesus first directly in the temptation but from there on out he continued to go through those close to him so Peter was in one of those situations close to Jesus but yet again Satan's trying to work him to work Jesus to to just completely do something out of sin to break the fact that he would be going to the cross but I have prayed for you Simon that your faith may not fail and when you have turned back strengthen your brothers but he replied now notice Peter's response here Lord I am ready to go with you to prison or to death and Jesus answered I tell you Peter before the rooster crows today you will deny three times that you know me and the last being with Judas Satan takes personal attention to destroy Jesus but the cross was not the end but the beginning of the redemption of the lost sinner and I'm aiming for Gethsemane it's Thursday 11:30 p.m. to about 1 a.m. Matthew Mark and Luke bring depth to the picture of, of what is happening there and when they had sung him he came out and went as his custom was to the Mount of Olives and his disciples also followed him then said Jesus to them all of you will be caused to stumble because of me this night for it is written I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered but after my being raised up I will go before you into Galilee but Peter answered and said to him even if all are made to stumble because of you yet not I I will never be made to stumble and Jesus said to him verily I say to you that today during this night before the cock crows twice you will deny me three times but Peter said to him even more vehemently even if I must die with you I will not at all deny you and in like manner also spoke all the disciples see when we face hard times we want our friends our family with us we do not want to go alone but now Jesus needs it the most but he will go alone this is the night that the men who have been with him for years will scatter one will deny him not once but three times Jesus will go alone from here on Peter's reply just makes the darkness and the alone time of Jesus worse Peter was making a terrible blunder in front of the entire group he was far too sure of himself he actually asserted that the others might fail but not him in our picture is laid out before us with Matthew Mark Luke and John in their writings and says then came Jesus with them across the brook Kidron where there was a garden and a place called Gethsemane into which he and his disciples entered and when he had arrived at the place he said to them sit here while I go yonder and pray and taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee James and John he began to be sorrowful and amazed and deeply distressed then said he to them my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death 
Remain here and watch with me. Pray that you enter not into temptation. Jesus was amazed. Actually, he was filled with shock and utter astonishment. He was deeply distressed. He's facing death on the most horrific execution device. He will suffer great things. And he sees it. He needs time alone to be with the Father and walk through what lays ahead. And the text continues, And going forward from them a little further, about a stone's throw, he knelt down on the ground and fell on his face and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. The decision about going to the cross for human Jesus is beyond words or understanding. But it is not his decision, but the will of the Father. Doss McAllister poses these these questions. Did it seem right to have all our sin laid on him at once? Could he bear the utter hell of being forsaken by God? Was mankind worth all the suffering it would take to save us? Well, the answer is yes. Jesus clearly made a decision about you and me in the garden. So, it's now Friday, 1 to 1.30 a.m., in the distance, you can now hear the thundering feet of hundreds of men in the still night. These men, Pharisees, Sadducees, Jewish policemen, and Roman soldiers, all led by Judas, were coming to arrest Jesus. Again, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John record this event. And immediately, while he was speaking, behold, a great crowd drew near, and he who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. Now Judas, who was betraying him, also knew the place. For Jesus often had resorted there with his disciples. So Judas, having received a band of soldiers together with officers from the chief priests and Pharisees and the scribes and elders, of the people, was coming there with torches and lanterns and with swords and clubs. And the betrayer had given them a token, saying, The one whom I shall kiss, he is it. Seize him and lead him safely away. So on arriving, he at once approached Jesus to kiss him. And Jesus said to him, Friend, for what purpose have you come? But he came up to Jesus and said, Master, Master, hail, Master. And he fervently kissed him. Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? Now think about it. What a huge crowd to arrest one man. You would think he was a notorious murderer or villain. Out of the crowd comes Judas to identify the one there to arrest he came sounding like a friend, but not at all. Jesus went voluntarily. Again, the gospel writers continue, Then they came and laid their hands on Jesus and seized him. Now when those standing about him 
saw what would follow, they said to him, Lord, shall we strike with a sword? And behold, Simon Peter stretched out his hand, drawing his sword, struck the high priest bondman, and cut off his right ear. And the name of the bondservant was Malchus. But Jesus answering said, Permit even this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Jesus said therefore to Peter, Put back your sword into its sheath. For all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot now call to my father and he will furnish me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? The cup which the father has given me shall I not drink? And again, Peter moves with a rash action thinking that he will save Jesus from the mob. Jesus rejects Peter's action, heals the removed ear, and helps Peter understand that if that was the will of the Father, then the angels would have been called to defend Jesus. But the cup is set for Jesus to drink. Jesus is continually helping Peter and the others to understand this is the plan of redemption. No other way. Jesus again declares the meaning of the cross and why he came to die. All of this was clearly detailed in Scripture. Matthew, Mark, and Luke record for us, But at that same hour Jesus said to the crowds and to the chief priests and the captains of the temple and elders who had come out to arrest him, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to seize me? Daily I sat with you teaching in the temple, and you did not arrest me. You stretched forth no hands against me. But this has all come to pass, that scripture, the scriptures of the prophets may be fulfilled. This is your hour and the power of darkness. So the religious leaders thought they were in charge, and it was their whole plan, but it was not. It was what scripture stated would occur. It seems like this is their hour and Satan's time to shine, but it's truly the time God shines in the darkest of places. So now we start the mass exodus of the disciples and those following Jesus. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. And a certain young man was following with him, having only a linen cloth about his body, and the young men laid hold of him. By leaving behind the linen cloth, he fled from them naked. A strange scene where we find a man in the area and with the disciples fleeing. They just grab someone, but he just runs away. And at this point, Jesus again remains alone. Now we start the time of the unjust false trials. It's now Friday, 1.30 to 3 o'clock a.m. Jesus, bound, is now led away to stand trial. Two trials. First with the Jewish leaders and the last with the Roman authorities. And again, the gospel writers record it for us. The band of soldiers, therefore, and the chief captain and the officers of the Jews seized Jesus and bound him. And they led him away first to Annas. For he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. It was Caiaphas 
who had given counsel to the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. So the high priest questioned Jesus concerning his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered him, I spoke openly to the world. Always I taught in the synagogues and in the temple where the Jews all assembled. And I said nothing in secret. Why do you question me? Question those who have heard me. As to what I said to them, behold, they know what I said. Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. So those who had seized Jesus led him away and brought him into the high priest's house, where all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes had gathered together. Now, at the time of Rome, the Roman government and the Roman rule only allowed Jewish leaders to kind of graciously manage Jerusalem even though they were under Roman control. Normally the high priest would serve for life, but Rome changed that tradition and only allowed it a few years. Now Annas had served as high priest for 16 years and now his son-in-law served. He was still a powerful man and a strong supporter of the selling of goods and exchange of money in the temple courtyard. Jesus' cleansing of the temple would have angered Annas, and for him seeing Jesus in chains was a delight. At this point, Annas has no answer to Jesus' question as to why he was not arrested earlier in the public view of those who'd heard him teach. Annas gets nowhere with Jesus. So now Jesus is is taken to Caiaphas in the Sanhedrin court. Trying to make the trial look legitimate, they brought forth two eyewitnesses to testify against Jesus, and all they could say that Jesus had said was, I will destroy this temple of God that is made with hands, and in three days I will build another not made with hands. Now, not understanding the full context of Jesus' statement, they moved to say it was blasphemy, Trying to get to the point of blasphemy, the high priest asks a detailed question. Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed? I adjure you by the living God to tell us whether you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Or, another way of saying it, or are you deity calling yourself equal to God himself? It's really what they're asking. Jesus' answer is not masked, but clear. Jesus said, it is as you said, I am. Furthermore, I say to all of you, hither will you see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming upon the clouds of heaven. That was it. The high priest loses it. He can't handle it anymore. It's gone too far. He's got to stop. Matthew and Mark continue to record to say then the high priest rent his garments, saying he has spoken blasphemy. Why need we any more witnesses? Behold, you have heard his blasphemy. What do you think? And they answered and said, he deserves death. And they all condemned him as worthy of death. Uncontrolled anger and abuse is poured out on Jesus. The horror to see what Jesus endured at the hands of men 
his creation and those that carried the image of God. Now Matthew and Mark and Luke continue to give us more detail as we move forward. Then some began to spit in his face and they struck him with their fists. And the men who were holding Jesus began to mock him. And when they had blindfolded him, kept slapping him in the face and asking him, say, prophesy, prophesy to us, you Messiah. Who is it that struck you? And many other things they kept saying blasphemously against him. With all this happening to Jesus, what is his response? Nothing. Did he retaliate? No. Could he have called down angels to defend him? Yes, but he did not, for it is the Father's will for him to continue to the cross. What do we see about God in Jesus? He has an ending love and compassion for his creation. He is patient beyond what we can do or think. This is the example set before us that again, when controlled by the Holy Spirit, we will do what our Rabbi Jesus did and continues to do today and beyond. The love that Jesus has is commanded to us to live out. John fifteen twelve through 17 states, My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no end than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends, and if you do what I command, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. I remember someone stating some time back, and it's so fitting with where we're moving towards, but in all reality, if it were not for the nails on the cross, the love of Jesus would have held him there. The torture and suffering for Jesus continues through the Roman trials as we continue with Jesus to the cross. We will continue that next week.